0: Hey folks, Dr. Kevin with Straight Shot Health Talk with a prelude for today's episode. I have a great guest, just like all of my guests, but this one is the first. It's going to deal specifically with exercise. Dr. Dan Ritchie, who's got a PhD in kinesiology, which is really a study of movement, as well as a degree in gerontology, which is the study of aging. So this particular episode is going to talk about exercise and specifically exercise really when you're of the age of about 35 and what you should and could be doing for yourself. Now, This is also the holiday season. It's November of 2014, if you're listening to this at a later time. And so at the end of this episode, I am going to be announcing a special giveaway, uh, which will be starting as soon as this is published and will be ending on December 5th, 2014. So stay tuned until the end of the episode when we're announcing how you can enter into this very special giveaway. All right. So let's get started with the episode, folks. Talk to you soon. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Straight Shot Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin. And today I'm excited to have our guest on who will be our first guest talking about movement and exercise. This is Dan Ritchie, who has a broad background in the fitness industry with primary areas of expertise in personal training for special populations. These populations have included athletes, pregnant women, the blind, people recovering from strokes those with Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis, or even cerebral palsy. Now, interestingly, he's also performed research on the effects of exercise on severe Alzheimer's dementia, and that's a topic I would love to talk about in the future. Hopefully, Dr. Richie will come back with us. Um, but for today, Dr. Ritchie is not here to talk about dementia, Parkinson's, or cerebral palsy, or even athletes for that matter, but instead exercise and an aging population. Dr. Ritchie, thank you for coming on to Straight Shot Health Talk.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, thrilled thrilled to be talking about uh, fitness and aging.
0: Awesome. So we covered a little bit about what your background was there, but can you kind of fill in some of the gaps? Because I just couldn't cover it all in the introduction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I got a bachelor's in uh, fitness and sports medicine at Southeast Missouri State, and I, I trained athletes for about a year and realized their egos were just too big for me to handle. And so I, I moved on to Wisconsin, got a master's degree there, and and really fell in love with training what I call the older athlete and uh, really those people in their 50s and 60s that have this never grow old mentality you know I want to keep downhill skiing I want to keep golfing I want to keep water skiing whatever it is they love to do and um, so that really drew me uh, to Purdue University where I pursued a PhD actually in uh, aging and exercise and, and even got a minor in gerontology so I'm, I'm one of those rare breed guys that's got a PhD in in exercise uh, physiology, but also focused on the aging aspect. And so uh, for the last eight years, I've actually been running my own personal training studio, focusing on that population. And our average age client is 58, which if you know anything about personal training studios is definitely on the uh, older scale uh, for your clients. So uh it's really been a passion of mine and my business partners as well. And uh and we're really excited about uh some of our programs and, and how we're helping people live really, really well to the age of a hundred.
0: You know, and I I think that's a that's a perfect point that we should need to emphasize there is the fact of you know, aging effectively uh to our hundred. And I, I don't like the word I, I'm trying to find a good word for it, aging versus elderly. I don't like the word elderly. Because there's a host of people running around out there that think once you hit 40, 50, 60, whatever their, whatever their number is, that life is all downhill. And we know that is not the case. So I applaud your mission there. Um, now, besides having started with training uh, those athletes and deciding, you know, they're a little bit difficult to, to get around those egos and in, in finding that adult population, was there anything else in your background that really kind of struck you when you started finding – People over the age of 50 say that you started training and something that really stuck out and said, you know what, this is what I want to do.
1: Yeah, there's probably there's probably two stories that I that I tell people. Um one one really is my first first client who was over over the age of 70 that that really kind of kind of tugged at my emotional strings. This guy's name was Don. He was 72. And uh, he came into the health club I was working at in Wisconsin when I was doing my master's degree and and he was like a lot of clients I kept finding. They're they're coming to this grad student um, who's in his early 20s, and they're saying, "I need help." You know, and his particular fitness goal was to tie his own shoes. You know, and I thought, well, this is kind of crazy, right? This is like a kindergarten goal. Well, he'd had four knee replacements and a hip replacement, and he'd lost all his range of motion. And for him, it really wasn't so much about tying his own shoes. It was the fact that he couldn't tee up a golf ball. He couldn't get a birdie putt out of the hole, and and he was actually a really good golfer, and. And otherwise very physically fit and after working with him for about four weeks he comes in one day and he's like dan check out my shoes and i thought this is the oddest thing i've ever heard i've never heard a guy in his 70s ask me to check out his shoes right and then it hit me has nothing to do with his shoes i looked down his shoes are tied he doesn't have the the scrunchy shoelaces or the the cinch knot ones you know and 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 we look back up at each other and i can see tears welling up in his eyes and i realized i've changed this guy's life for the next 10 15 20 years he can now tee up a golf ball without you know humiliation or pain and those kinds of things and and that really triggered in me this idea that 72 is not too old in fact this guy was a far better golfer than i was and i ever will be and uh, he was just having a, a minor range of motion issue he needed some help with. And and that that really triggered for me how significant um, I can help people in this age range way more than any college athlete I'm ever going to impact. And and so I decided that's really where I'm going to spend the rest of my career. And then probably the other thing, about the same time, this was probably about oh, 12 years ago, um, So early 2000s, when I was in Wisconsin, my grandmother was teaching English as a second language in Pakistan to Afghan refugee women. Now, if you can think about this time period, it's shortly after 9-11, we've invaded Afghanistan, and there's a lot of people fleeing the country. And really, if you're an Afghan woman and you no longer in your country, you're homeless, your really only hope is to learn English. And uh, here's my 80-something-year-old grandmother, who most people would have said, you know what, Winnie, it's probably time you retire and hang it up, you know, hang out with the grandchildren, sip tea, do whatever. She's in Pakistan, in the middle of the bazaar, teaching Afghan refugee women English as a second language. And it just made me realize, there's really no limit to the kinds of things that you could do in your 70s and 80s if you're physically able, right? If you're willing. And so she was kind of an inspiration to me, like, hey, people can be doing amazing things in their post-75 era. And she was a perfect example of that. Um, And so she's been an inspiration to me, continues to be. She's 94 now, uh, turned 94 this year, continues to remind me that we really don't know what our calling could be way later in life right like a lot of us think we're going to retire at a certain age and lo and behold we may enter an entirely new career a new passion a new calling and so so those two things kind of jointly at the same time kind of made me realize hey if we don't take aging seriously we may miss huge opportunities later in life
0: absolutely and and i want to bring up a couple things there because You know there's this kind of concern of predestiny and like i mentioned people hit the age of 50 or whatever and they start aching and hurting more and they think well they just chalk it up to well i'm 50 i'm not 25 anymore and (laughs) you know that i used to tell patients this when they would come in and say well i tried exercise and it hurt but really our bodies are such that not only do we have to move from the time that we're born but we have to continue to move until the time we die and the older we get, the more important it is to move more often. You know, it's just like this reverse thing. You can get away with a lot of things when you're younger, but as you're older, you need to move. And you should I used to tell people whatever decade you were in is the number of days a week that you needed to be doing something. You know, 55 days a week, 77 days a week. And if you're 90, probably a couple of those days twice a day. But, um, you know, what's your what's your experiences on actually taking somebody who wasn't doing anything at all similar to your 72 year old client and um, duplicating that success
1: Yeah that's a that's a great um, a great question. Um, I get that a lot because people say, well is it too late for me or am I too old to get started and and I always say I always say look the, the simple answer to that is it would have been great if you had started 10 years ago but you can get started today and we can make a huge impact And so we have people in their mid 70s, That get in amazing shape in literally just about 12 to 14 months and people are amazed at what they can do I mean we're talking people that they can't do one push-up right the thought of doing one push-up or even getting down on the floor to do a push-up is beyond their comprehension and within a year they're down on the floor doing 20 push-ups with the best of them and so there really isn't an age that's too late but I do caution people because I think Sometimes people hear me say that, and they're like, well, I'm 55, I'm going to retire in 10 years, and I'll tackle it then. And I always say that's a huge mistake because you can actually change your trajectory significantly, your aging trajectory, by what you're doing in your 50s and 60s. And so, so putting it off until you have, quote, unquote, more time because I'm retired is a big mistake. In fact, we see a lot of people that come in in their 60s And honestly, they have waited so long. They've been inactive for so long that now they do have chronic knee damage. They've got chronic low back damage and things that we can't reverse because they've been overweight for too long. They've been sitting for too long. They've been inactive for too long. And so I always tell people, you know, your, your 50s to 70s are really really crucial years in terms of what your retirement's going to be like you know do you want to have all the energy all the strength all the functional vitality you can have then you need to start moving and and stop postponing it to this retirement uh time where you're you're gonna have all this time and let's be honest you control all your time right now uh it's just what you prioritize you you prioritize having dinner every night you prioritize meal times you prioritize watching television shows um, and so if your vitality and health are important, they should be a priority in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Because uh, guess what? When you retire, there's going to be hundreds of things pulling for your time. Committees, charities, fundraisers, golf outings, grandchildren, you name it.
0: Doctor's appointments.
1: Gonna, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if you, you haven't have been taking care of yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I just had to, I had to get that. Just because I was thinking that while you were talking is, you know, so many people defer till retirement. In fact, there was a, um, there was a study that came out, I think Merrill Lynch put it out two years ago and it was a marketing piece. They basically were, were scaring people about how they didn't have enough money. So saved up for their retirement because of healthcare expenses. Right. And I'm sitting there reading it going, well, how about this? Why don't you actually invest in your health now in the 20 years before you retire? And then yep. not only will you be paying off the benefits, you'll see the benefits as you go, but you're going to defray and decrease your healthcare costs quite significantly when you get older. You know,
1: Yeah, one of, the, one of the most significant things I see, because let's be honest, most people over 65, Medicare is picking up a lot of their costs, but the places where it's not picking up a lot of their costs is medications, and guess what? If you're fit and healthy and active you're on way less medication. In fact, in some cases, you're on no medication because you don't need any. As opposed to these people that are on six and seven and eight medications and they're paying hundreds of dollars a month in in medication bills, I'm like, you would be far better off just paying a fraction of that for a fitness trainer that's gonna keep you off all that medication. And then guess what? You're gonna feel better, you're not gonna be drowsy, you're not gonna be disoriented, you're not gonna be in sort of this cognitive fog because you're on all these medicines. Um, but again, you know, people have to make the choice. They have to want to be healthy and, you know, you know, be vital. And and, and to me, it's an easy choice. But I know it does take some discipline.
0: Well, and and I, I think sometimes people, you know, they have to believe it's possible. And so really what we're hoping, you know, right now is to tell people that it is possible, that that you are not confined to your seven year old body, that if, even if you haven't moved for 40 years, fact of the matter you have a choice in these things and if you want to change it you can and that's a big part of what we like to talk about so
1: yeah you you absolutely can can change it Kevin um I mean it's it it's really a a personal choice to say you know I want my 60s 70s and 80s to be vibrant and fun and engaging and you know leave a legacy and you know give back to my grandchildren or my charities or my foundations or you know if you just want to be somebody that travels the world and checks off a bucket list that's fine too you know i mean i've had clients who do all kinds of amazing things like you know go to antarctica and patagonia and bike ride across the french countryside and you know if that's what you want to do great you know more power to you if you just want to be a mentor in your community and, you know, have an impact in your local community, you can't do those things very well if you're old and tired. Okay. But if you're 75 and you feel young and engaging and, you know, can do all kinds of things, you can do what some of my clients do in their 80s. They're going into the first grade classroom and reading with kids that need help, you know, and it's fun to them, right? Um, you know, and the kids love it too, right? You know, here comes. Eight-year-old Tom, you know, he was just at Miracles Fitness working out, and now he's here gonna read to us for an hour, you know. And 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 he loves doing it, the kids love it. Um, and, and it's something that he can do. But if he was too tired or too frail or didn't have the energy, one, the kids aren't gonna embrace him, right? Because they're gonna be like, Oh, this guy's kind of old and he might fall down and get hurt in our classroom. But he's not like that, right? He's fun and engaging and the the kids are excited for him to come read to him. And so People have to embrace this idea that you can age really, really well and really, really productively, but you control a lot of that based on the, the foods you eat, the amount of sleep you get, the amount of water you drink, and the amount of exercise and movement that you uh, put your body through.
0: And, and you mentioned another thing there, too. It's not just the physical side, but it's the mental side, you know, the a mental and emotional aspect, how, how much energy you're going to have and realistically how good you feel we do know that when you exercise you release natural endorphins it also increases a a positive or a happy emotional state and those effects are not something to be discounted when it comes to exercise either no
1: they're not they're absolutely not in fact my uh, my major professor at Wisconsin she was studying mood and exercise and, and it's pretty pretty amazing when you realize one exercise session is all it takes to impact mood. Just one, it's not like it takes weeks and weeks. One exercise session impacts mood. We we see this as people that work in the fitness industry all the time, right? Our client comes in, they're stressed, they're agitated, they don't wanna be here, they're grouchy, they've had a bad day, whatever it is. And the first 10 to 15 minutes of the training session, it's not fun, it's not pleasant. And about halfway through, they're apologizing to you. You know, I'm sorry my mood was so bad. And you know, like their mood has shifted. and. And they can't even put their finger on why, but because of all the chemicals that are released in your brain through exercise, you can't help but have your mood change, have your mood lifted and and this is this is really big because we do see a lot of depression in retirement phases. People retire, and all of a sudden their life identity is changing, and who am I and you know i'm I'm not going to the same job anymore and and so we see these huge spikes in depression, especially in men who've been defined by their career, and, and exercise can really help with that because whether you're in a bad mood or not, you cannot help but but to feel better and, and have this improved mood, and, and that's really, really big. For a lot of people, it's just, I'm gonna come in just because when I'm done exercising, I'm gonna leave here, and I'm gonna be happier, and I don't know why, but I just am. You know, In fact, I had a client this morning. She said, you know what? I don't know what it is about this but it's just fun and I always leave here laughing and happier than when I came in and it's just sort of like you know what it's exercise is a drug to our brain um, and by getting it regularly really really does help and uh, a a client of mine who's been a a lifelong family therapist at uh, Purdue he's got a PhD and he studied this he routinely has said Dan if, if people had two choices, whether it was therapy or exercise, I always tell them exercise because exercise, without a doubt, is going to make you feel better, improve your mood, improve just your outlook on life. Therapy may help, but it's not going to automatically improve your, your mood and your psyche. And uh, so to, to me, you can't underestimate just sort of the power it has on our mind and our outlook as well, um, and then obviously all the physical parameters, too.
0: No, absolutely, and and that those effects that you you were just mentioning about, um, really feeling in control of your body, and you know there's something said about starting a program, particularly if you have never done it before, and then having a good mentor like a trainer or someone, you know, someone who will support you through that that uh, that intervention and then showing yourself that you can and that demonstrates something called self-efficacy which is a mastery experience and allows you to develop this confidence and just by taking that first step you start realizing that you can do other things have you ever seen that where somebody started an exercise program or came into you and then they started even doing bigger and greater things in areas outside of their life besides just the exercise
1: yeah yeah absolutely in fact that that's something that uh cody and i talk about and have have written about in our book um it's it's sort of what we call this overflow aspect in that when you start to become more active and you start to become a little bit more fit you start to just spontaneously do more things and so all of a sudden you're gardening longer or you're horseback riding again Uh, you take up a hobby that maybe you quit 10 years ago and so Um, to give you an example, we had a client who owned, um, somewhere between six and eight horses and he had pretty much given up horseback riding because of his hip. And even though I would have said he was relatively young, early sixties, um, he had essentially said, I'm not gonna build a horseback ride again because of my age. And, and we just sort of thought, well, that that's ridiculous. It's not your age, it's your hip. Right. And so after training him for about three or four months, he realized, I can get on and off a horse without pain and I can ride for a couple hours without pain. A few months later, he comes back, you know, he's like, I rode for six hours last weekend and had no issues, you know, wasn't sore. My hips didn't hurt. And, you know, sort of made him realize one, I can continue to do the things that I love to do. And two, now he's actually being more active, right? He's added six hours of horseback riding on the weekend. Well, that's, that's a fair amount of physical activity that he was not getting before. Um, And then we've had other clients just simple things like you know they're taking trips to Europe and enjoying them to the fullest instead of being that person that stays on the bus, right They're like we're we do not want to be those people that stay on the bus and miss the sights or we get to some site in Rome and we're like, well, we're not climbing to the top of that you know old old place, there's too many stairs. They're doing all of it right so they're being more active than than they might otherwise have been, and so those things are really exciting to hear. You know, when we have clients come back and say, you know, we were the oldest on our tour of ancient Rome age-wise, but we were the youngest in terms of moving and activity, and we took everything in, and we didn't ever stay on the bus, and we didn't ever miss an opportunity. Uh, to us, that's really, really exciting things to hear.
0: Now, that's fantastic. Well, let's let's switch over some specifics here, and do you think you could give us, you know, one to three technical points here? And with these, we'll be focusing on an elderly population, old or old, older population, but really uh, if they are universal and they work towards other people who may not have been involved in exercise, maybe they're 35, maybe they're 40 and they just haven't exercised, but now they're feeling those aches of the body uh, saying, hey, you haven't done anything with me for a long time. Where would you start? Where would, the, where would be the first place that you would start with somebody coming in and saying, you know what, I want to actually take control of my health. I want to start doing some exercise. Where would they begin? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. So <clears throat> we typically start with uh, first we want to find out if they have any joint pain or joint issues because I think the mistake some people make is they jump in too hard and too fast and they forget the fact that oh yeah my my knees have been hurting for several years right and so you know even simple activities like jumping jacks and burpees and mountain climbers and squats and some of these things they're just going to really aggravate somebody's knees and so we 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 start with let's address sort of your joint concerns you know whether it's low back hip knee those are the common ones um and make sure we're paying attention to those things and listening to our body And then the second thing is, we tell people you need total body functional movement in all three planes of motion. So get off the machines, stop doing these uh, structured circuit things where you're doing, you know, six or seven or eight machines. Get off of that stuff, train on your feet, do standing movements. So squats, lunges in multiple directions, you know, push ups, a variety of pushes and pulls. But do as much of these things as you can standing because the most important things for humans, for the most of us, is to be able to do things on our feet, to be able to do things standing. And so we try to mimic all the different movements that you can think of from bending, reaching, pulling, twisting, stooping, lifting, picking stuff up off the floor, all that sort of stuff. And so this is where implements like kettlebells, dumbbells, medicine balls all come in handy. And then some sort of resistance cable or resistance band Is great for pushing and pulling and twisting movements but you have to think about moving in three three dimensions Um, our bodies move side to side front and back and rotationally and so much exercise equipment you know your chest press your bench press your squat racks all these apparatuses are so one dimensional they're so what we call sagittal plane Um, which really doesn't help people move better and feel better and so many people have hip knee and low back issues because they don't move in in all three dimensions and so we really tell people you know it doesn't have to be complex and it doesn't have to be long even starting out with just 15 to 20 minutes doing a variety of different functional movement patterns uh, where you're gonna move your body forward uh, diagonally sideways rotationally Um, and really try to stimulate a lot of different muscle groups Um, that that's really the best place for most people to start Um, and then the the simple key is to not overdo it some people think well I'm gonna hit this hard right day one and then they are miserable for the next three or four days which does nobody any good you're not winning any awards for being the most sore you know person that worked out one time you know so uh, we try to ease people into it you know and say hey it's okay if your first workout Doesn't kill you. In fact, I usually tell people we're not going to push it hard till about workout five or six, because we kind of want to see how your body's responding. You know, like if you do a simple squat movement and your knee is killing you for the next three or four days, well, we we just learned something. You know, maybe you're not ready for that exercise yet. And so um, there there's really nothing accomplished by trying to beat yourself up too hard the first workout. You're not going to overcome. 10 years of not working out by working out really hard the first time. So, so ease into it.
0: So, and let me just kind of clarify a little bit when you're easing into it, how do you uh, tell your clients to gauge that progress? Like, what do you, what do you use as the, the easing, you know?
1: Yeah. So for us, it, it, it's really a, a matter of, you know, probably somewhere in terms of the time duration. So 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. Um, but 20 minutes of work is usually typically plenty Uh, you want to use light weights the the first uh, several sessions so you're learning how your body moves and you're doing movements correctly as opposed to just loading up and uh, you know using too much weight Um, and then I I just use a simple kind of one to ten intensity rule you know so ten is I'm running from a grizzly bear for my life you know I'm gonna I'm gonna work as hard as I possibly can for you know, probably 30 seconds, right? Like if I can't scramble up a tree in 30 seconds, the bear's gonna eat me, you know? So, um, you know, that intensity is too intense. Uh, And a nine is probably um, something we could do for maybe a minute, you know, like an all out sprint around a track, kind of give it everything I got for a minute. That's too intense. We really want people working out somewhere in the six to seven range, kind of 60 to 70% of what they've got and what they have to keep in mind is it's sixty to seventy percent of what they've got, not sixty to seventy percent of what a fit person has, which is the mistake we make when we see like a P90X and we see, you know, Tony Horton who's in his fifties and he's super fit, and we're like, Oh, I gotta work out as hard as him. No way. You need to be doing like fifty percent of what he's doing, you know. So so you should be working out at sixty to seventy percent of your maximal ability not a trainer's maximum ability, right? So it's all relative. Like, you know, what's a really intense workout for me is going to be too intense for a beginner who hasn't done anything in a while. So so that 60 to 70% rule is usually a good starting point for most people. And obviously, as they get more fit, they can move up towards 70 to 80%. And that percentage moves up, right? Um, Three months from now, your sixty to seventy percent marks at a totally different place than where it is day one, but you have to think about small incremental baby steps. Not, I'm going to do this all day one, which I, I think is a common mistake. People people burn themselves out in January on their New Year's resolution in the first ten days, right? Because they they work out so hard and they're like, oh man, I'm so sore. This is so miserable, and I'm not seeing any results. It's like, well, results don't come in the first ten days. You know, they take they take time. And you have to take time to progress.
0: Uh, Absolutely. Now, here's here's another little uh, question for you. What about the person that comes in and say they were the high school athlete or a college athlete? They haven't done anything for 40 years. What do you tell them the intensity they should be coming in and exercising on that first day should be?
1: They haven't done anything in how many years?
0: Oh, 30, 40.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same, same principle then. Um, and I would say, honestly, these are some of the people that get in the most trouble, right? Cause they're like, Oh, well I used to work out really hard when I was in college. I'm like, yeah, that was like, you know, 30 years ago. Like your body is not the same. Now they may, the interesting thing is they may be more athletic and they may do some movements better. Um, but their knees are not the same as when they were in college, you know, uh, our knees, the cartilage in our knees thins out as we get older. And so once you're over 50, you know, you can't do as many jumping jacks as when you're 20. And I always tell people you can still work out really, really intensely. I mean, we got 70 year olds that can work out extremely hard, but you know what, they've got to be really smart too. Like they can't come in five days a week and do high impact jumping, jumping jacks, hopping, you know, beating their, their joints up because they just don't have the same ability to recover as a 20 year old does. Now, can they still work out just as hard as a 20 year old? Yes. But do they have to be a little smarter about it? Absolutely. And so sometimes some of those 50 and 60 year olds that used to be, you know, star athletes in their younger days, they want to come in and just hit it like they did back in the, you know, the gym, the old days. And I'm like, you know, we got to be a little smarter about this. Um, you know, and see how your joints are going to respond. And and again, same principle, ease into it. Let's start at about a six or seven on the 10 scale and see where you're at. And, and sometimes you have to pull those people back, right? Cause if they were really competitive, they're like, well, I want to be at a nine or a 10 the whole time. And I'm like, no, we got to ratchet you back a little bit. we got to be a little smarter about it.
0: <laughs> that's, that's classic. And as you were sitting there talking, uh, I was just thinking about getting uh, older and how the process of aging happens. And You know, I mentioned how one of the unfairnesses of life is that you have to pay more attention all the time. You don't have the resiliency as when you were younger. You know, your body doesn't recover as quick. But you you said, said something there. I was like, maybe this makes sense. And like if you are going to have a body that ages in one direction, either, you know, older to younger. And sometimes we think, wow, I wish that we had this young body when we were older and maybe the older body when we were younger that wouldn't work because we were probably too stupid to use that older body when we're younger. We really have to have, you know, some knowledge. We have to have some experience to actually take the, and that body and, and treat it responsibly, I think. So maybe, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. At least it kind yeah, of
1: ab- Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's definitely a maturity that comes with age and a wisdom that comes with it. Right. And some of us don't figure it out. Um, until a little bit later and we have to make a few more mistakes before we realize you know what I need to train a little bit smarter not necessarily harder Uh, I need to pay attention to what my knees are telling me Uh, maybe I shouldn't play basketball tonight you know Um, but it doesn't mean we can't have tremendous physiques and physical abilities late in life and still play sports and do all kinds of things Um, but it does mean we may have to be a little bit smarter and, um, you know, there, there, there comes a time with age where we life experience, you know, is valuable and I don't make the same mistakes I made when I was 18, you know, at least not most of the time. Right. (laughs) And so, so there's a benefit that comes with age. And I think 10 years from now, I won't make the same mistakes I made in my thirties. And, you know, so, I mean, I see high school kids and some of the things they do in their training and I just think, you know, if they knew a little bit more, were a little bit smarter and savvier, they'd they'd get more out of their training. But um, unfortunately, they won't listen to somebody who's 20 years older than them, you know, because they think they know it all. And and that's something we learn with age too, right? We realize we really don't know that much. And we need to learn a lot from other people that have had great experiences. Um, But that comes with age too. And so there are a lot of positive things that come with aging, you know, when we think about sort of our self-actualization and self-maturation process, and, you know, we get a little bit more comfortable with who we are in our own skin, hopefully, and, you know, we, we start to say, you know what, I want to just be the best version of me. I don't want to try to be this idealized magazine version that I've been trying for in my 20s. Uh, I've realized that that's that's uh fruitless you know and, and i'm chasing chasing a dream that's never going to happen i just want to be the best version of of me and um and fitness can help me do that and 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 then that can transcend all of my life and and all of my relationships and and all the things that i want to do um and it becomes less about a vanity issue uh and it becomes more about a lifestyle
0: yeah yeah absolutely they're they're you can do it for yourself now without making excuses and try to do it for somebody else. Really? That's, yeah. that was a yeah a beautiful summary there that you did. I just, uh, yeah, it makes a, a lot of sense. Well, well, Dan, I have kept you here for over 30 minutes. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Where else besides your own blog, is there a good site that you would recommend for other people to, to check out things on, uh, on health and getting older?
1: um, <clears throat> You know, on, honestly, um, it, it's it's, a, it's an industry that, especially in the fitness area, I think is is definitely underserved. Um, the uh, International Council on Active Aging has done a lot of things for a lot of years, really trying to serve kind of the retirement community in terms of what does active aging look like. And so ICAA is, has been a great uh, resource for a lot of years. For somebody really wanting to, to study the whole aging realm um, obviously the National Council on Aging has been a great resource they have an annual conference that thousands of people attend every year that um, they've been really a, an international resource um, for someone in the what I would call the academic side of studying fitness and aging the World Congress on Aging and Physical Activity um, which happens every four years is a, is a great event um, But it's really it's really more for the the academic or the researcher who wants to study physical activity and aging and Amazing stuff comes out of that conference every four years that we look at and go wow You know the physical activity rates in some of these countries are are markedly different than the US and look how their people are aging right I mean their 80 year olds don't have cancer their 70 and 80 year olds don't have cardiovascular disease. They don't have cancer. They're not falling and breaking their hips. What are they doing that's different? And um, so that that's always been an interesting conference. uh, One that I got to speak at in 2004 when it was in Canada, it it moves all around the world, um, which is interesting as well. So, um, so beyond those, um, you know, I think we're going to see more and more uh, as people realize our, Um, aging population in the US is is just an an absolute overwhelming movement. I mean, we're just going to see more and more people over the age of 65 than our country's ever seen before. Um, We're obviously seeing that in the political conversations as well. Um, But I mean, the the fastest growing population in the US is people over the age of 65, you know, so it's, we're only going to see more and more resources coming out. um, Because let's face it, baby boomers, are not going to take aging lying down. In fact, they're going to age much differently than their predecessors. And um, they're going to refuse to be called senior citizens or a senior and all those kinds of things, right? And so we're going to see more and more things coming up. I mean, I anticipate we're going to start seeing mass scale programs like P90X for people over 60 um, because they need it more so than ever.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And, and where can people find you? Where's, where's your address that they could uh, pop in and say hi or at least get more information about you? Um,
1: <clears throat> the two best places to find us would be Functional Fitness Solution. That's functionalfitnesssolution.com. And then if you actually put in slash blog, you can find a lot of our writings there. The other location uh, where if they really want to contact me would be Functional Aging Institute, Dot com. Functionalaginginstitute.com is a uh, educational place. We're really running for fitness professionals uh, that work with the aging population. Uh, Functional fitness solution is for anyone out there who's looking for a fitness solution and, and has basically said, "Well, P90X and all these you know younger fitness programs aren't for me." Um, so those 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 would be the two main places to to find me. And uh, and typically, if you contact us through either of those sites, it's coming straight to me, and you'll actually get to me within a day or two, and I'll respond
0: personally. Oh, fantastic. All right, everybody, this was a great episode. We talked about a ton of stuff here, and I just wanted to kind of reiterate some resources that Dr. Dan had talked about He has a killer program called Functional Fitness Solution. It has four tiers. So if you have never exercised before or if it's been a long time since you started and you're getting up there in years, great place to start. And it's also tailored for people that if you have been exercising, there's other tiers for you as well. He and his partner also have a book available on Amazon.com. It's called Never Grow Old, the innovative, easy-to-follow, functional aging fitness program that increases strength, improves balance and decreases pain and as i said that is available on amazon.com. Uh overall, thank you so much Dr. Dan for coming and talking with us today on straightshothealth.com. Uh any parting words here? Um I'll,
1: I'll just i'll close close with this just briefly because i know sometimes people think well, you know, especially if you're in your 50s and 60s you think oh, well i i don't ever plan to get old. Um if we think about someone as inspiring as Nelson Mandela, Spending 27 years in prison and walking out of prison at the age of 72, but not being an old man. In fact, not being frail, not being fragile, not being what we would expect for someone coming out of prison after 27 years. In fact, he was healthy, he was strong, he was vibrant, and in three years he became president of South Africa at the age of 75. And so I I leave people with that story because you may be called upon to do something amazing in your 70s and 80s. And if you're not fit or healthy, it's not going to be an opportunity you're ready to embrace. And so no matter what your age is today, I encourage you to look at exercise programs and find something that fits you because the third age of your life may have some amazing opportunities in store for you. But you have to be fit enough to take them on.
0: Oh, fantastic. Fantastic words right there. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us today. And until next time. Stay well. All right, folks. I know if you're still listening now, it is because you're interested in the giveaway. And I think it is a great giveaway. This is for Dr. Ritchie's uh, flagship program, How to uh, Never Grow Old. All right? And if the way you're going to enter this is you just go to straightshothealth.com and there will be a blog post there, actually under podcast episodes, called How to Never Grow Old. And at that link, you will find... The link for the giveaway. I would tell you what the giveaway link is, but it's this big long thing Uh, here. Basically, is is uh, straightshothealth.com/give/forward/slash/giveaways/forward/slash/win-your-own-fitness-program, which is sort of a pain to type in. So what I would do is just go to straightshothealth.com, look under the most current blog post, look for "How to Never Grow Old," and right there there'll be a link for the giveaway. Now the giveaway, all you have to do is enter your email address. Once you've entered your email address. Uh, You will be entered to win the Never Grow Old program. Um, And the other thing is there will be a chance for you to increase your chances of winning. All right. So, again, if you want to get into into this giveaway, it ends December 5th, 2014. Just got to remember that date because these podcasts stick around for a long time. And you just find that at straightshothealth.com under How to Never Grow Old. All right, folks. Good luck. Bye.